0: or even a therapist. Number 11, meditate regularly. Meditation is a time-tested practice for finding perspective and getting more in touch with what matters. It doesn't have to be a religious practice, but finding some time to meditate regularly can go a long way toward putting things in perspective. Number 12, be more creative on the side. Creativity can help you get used to changing your mindset. This comes from Mary May, who prefers music and dance to decompress. They support my ability to refuel and calm my energy so that I'm able to prepare for whatever comes up in my future. Number 13. Try therapy. Therapists need their own therapy, says Dr. Carter. Not only is taking a turn on the other side of the sofa helpful to get perspective, but the experience of being a therapy client builds empathy for how comfortable it can feel to be vulnerable and ask for help. I know I'm feeling better already. I know that I don't have to take responsibility for other people's actions or emotions. I know that I can change my mood at any moment with just a few simple exercises. And I know that monitoring my mood and watching my intake is something that I really need to pay close attention to, almost a practice. I hope you'll join me in that. want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others follow us on facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week so i challenge you Initiate a mood makeover today by dropping the negative and self-defeating attitude you've embraced and adopting the exciting world of possibilities you have at your fingertips. Left or right, you choose. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges.
1: Someone through until the path was fair. When i found you how I wound up here all I was Howdy everybody I'm Rose Maddox and I'd like to tell you that you're listening to KBOO in Portland Oregon the station that I listen to when I'm in the area) Uh-oh.
2: Good morning. This is Disability Justice: An Everyday Pursuit and Survival. Your host,
3: John Griffiths, and Dina Wilder, board operator. So, John's got a project that it's been working on for a really long time with Ann Coffey, the executive director of UCP United Cerebral Palsy, of Oregon, and. There is a project called This is Our Voice, collecting stories about Oregon's IDD workforce crisis. And IDD stands for intellectual and developmental disability. Uh, There is a workforce crisis, not only in the IDD world, but in disability world in general. Um, So these stories are being collected by John and Anne through a website uh, called that that you can find at www.ucporegon.org forward slash our O-U-R hyphen voice, And we will have that listed in our program and on our website.
2: It is our intention to hopefully gather up plenty of evidence that there is, um, you know, maybe something we can do about it or present it before uh, legislators so that um, we can resolve the caregiver crisis.
3: Um, we want to make a robust workforce of people who caregive for those with disabilities. And to do this, we have to fight by presenting our stories of how the system is not working for us.
2: And on that note, um, when we say the system is not working, um, we are looking for a family wage for our caregivers, truly adequate benefits such as you know full health care, uh, and coverage for immediate family and all that other stuff, um, paid time off, you know, vacation time, um, retirement, and, uh, of course, proper business expen- expenditures.
3: John's been fighting for me for a really long time. Since since I started working seven years ago, I'm very grateful for the hard work that John has done. And we all need to step up. Even if you are not someone with a disability or not a caregiver, you may need a caregiver someday. and. If you don't have a workforce to get someone for yourself or your loved one, it's it's gonna be hard. And when you have a workforce that's paid adequately, then you have less stressed caregivers, and that's what you want. You want patient, loving caregivers, and not ones that are trying to figure out how to how to get uh, their rent paid. And and when we say uh,
2: properly paid, we also mean. Uh... Good benefits too. Yeah. Proper pay and good benefits. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Thanks for always thinking of all the parts.
2: So, um, as you know, there are many difficulties within a person's life, uh, especially when you have a disability. That is why we do disability justice. That is why we do advocacy. And although advocating should be led by people with disabilities. It should also be supported by those that surround us, like our caregivers, our parents, our uh, the PAs, the case managers, the administrations that manage the case managers and PAs, and any other organizations like the ARC, UCP, Albertina Kerr, all, all those others that I can't think of at this time. Um, you know, we constantly need uh, more voices thrown into this. And we hope that, you know, you will go to This Is Our Voice and give us your horror stories around the caregiver crisis and around other crises as well, because there's so many pieces to this puzzle. It's, it's just, yeah, wow. And one of the other pieces we will be talking about is, of course... SSI, or as I prefer to call them, the Gestapo. As you know, people on SSI have a really hard time on a system that hasn't changed in over 50 years. I mean, it's well past due to change. So um, we talk with a lot of people within the community and a lot of folks are struggling with the fact that SSI hasn't changed in uh, 50 years.
3: Yeah, I think the last rest uh, reform was done in 1989. It's a 50-year-old program, but man, that's a heck of a lot of years—30 years of no change of someone's income. Um,
2: yeah, and, and people are are just like you, you know, we're um, not certain how to say this, but the state has asked us to work, but as as the system has not changed to adapt to that employment first, uh, a lot of the people that me and Dina talk to wind up saying we we did as people asked us to do, which is go get employed and, and we're getting penalized for it by SSI.
3: Yeah, and uh, there are wages that have gone up, which rightly they need to go up, but then people who are on disability, if their hourly wage goes up, and they're still working the same hours, they might be earning too much and not you know, catch it right away. But SSI will catch it. And then the next thing they know, they're losing their benefits, and they're having to pay the state back pay. Pay them back in thousands of dollars. And for people with low income, that is totally destroying lives
2: especially when you only make 841 a month.
3: So that is something that we're hoping will be changed with the SSI Restoration Act of 2021, sponsored by Senator Brown, a Democrat from Ohio. It is now in the Budget Committee, or it was in the Budget Committee and was stalled for a long time and was referred to the Finance Committee recently, which Ron Wyden, our senator, is the chair of. One of the hopes of this Restoration Act is to move the current maximum benefit of $841 and raising it to the federal poverty line, which is $1,132 a month. And
2: doing away with the marriage penalty. If you're on SSI, you cannot get married without without losing a significant portion of your benefits. That's always been a barrier to marriage within the disabilities community.
3: There are so many stories of people with disabilities saying, I am not going to, we're, we've chosen not to get married because we will not get as much benefit, our benefits will be reduced, and it's significant. So, two people with disabilities will lose the amount that they will get. And if a person with a disability marries someone without a disability, it's dependent on Oh, they'll still probably lose some benefits depending well, on the person's income.
2: Depending on the person's income, they could lose all of their benefits. Right. So, right. I mean, that's a huge impediment, and that sort of means you can only have relationships within a, within the disability community. You can't really have a relationship outside the disability community, uh, which is uh, isolating and very much... If you ask me, institutionalizing because it's when when they had institutions that it kept us away from the regular public, and this is doing pretty much the exact same thing. Only it's on a more um, personal level of love and um, basic human needs for for having a, a companion around, for having another human around. Yeah.
3: So there are three parts to the SSI Restoration Act of 2021. We mentioned uh, just now, removing the marriage penalty and raising the current maximum benefit to the federal poverty line. The third part is raising asset levels. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that, John?
2: It sounds like they might raise the asset levels to 10,000 for uh, individuals and 20,000 for married couples. Let's also maybe put in an addendum where it says this amount increases annually with inflation.
3: John and I were just listening to a YouTube video of someone talking about the benefit of maybe waiting for this Restoration Act to um, not be passed until 2023. And their suggestion was since they're wanting to raise the current maximum benefit to the federal poverty line, the federal poverty line actually changes every year. And possibly that would be another $50 per month if we waited one more year. And since we, since folks are having to wait for decades to get a Restoration Act to happen again, maybe we should be looking towards um, trying to get that, that extra $50. It does sound like it
2: has been stalled in the Budget Committee. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, if we put... Uh, an increase on the asset limits, we should also put an increase on the monthly income so that every year it goes up with the federal poverty level.
3: Yeah, policy takes a long time to to get. If you look at what what the maximum benefit right now is $841 per month, and that is the maximum. I think I saw something that said the average benefit of people with disabilities are getting 600 something. You look at that that amount and what the federal federal poverty line is of 1132 if people on average are getting around 600 that's half of the federal poverty line that people are living on
2: oh yeah and if you think about this so the federal poverty line that's like minimum wage isn't it and if you look at that People on minimum wage are still sitting out there in tents. They can't afford a place to uh, a roof over their heads. And yet they want us to try and put a roof over our heads at well below minimum wage.
3: Yeah, and if you think about the federal poverty line right now is $1,132 a month. That is what a one-bedroom apartment is going for across the nation.
2: Where's the rest of the money for the food? Food, Medicines that you might need. I, I mean, you know, generally people who are elderly probably need a lot of medicines. Utilities. I mean, some apartments may cover a large number of utilities, but most of them don't cover all the utilities. You know, I mean, there's just... Uh, a, a whole lot in 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 the fact that uh, this isn't necessarily in keeping up with um, what it actually costs to live, wherever you might be located.
3: There are ABLE accounts and special needs trust funds. So there are some ways to house money if you're on SSI.
2: But there are problems with both of those systems. Special needs trust, if you go through a lawyer, it can be extraordinarily expensive. If you go with an organization, uh, those costs are generally lower, but they only cover cash, so they won't cover any other form of asset you may have. And they generally, when it comes around to special needs trust, the organization can say, no, we ain't giving you money for that. Um, ABLE accounts you can put in, I think, sixteen thousand a year, and that's the max that you can actually put in the account per year. And then the max that it will cover is a hundred grand. Well, if you stare at a house, all right, and let's just say you don't want to go over that one hundred grand because uh, you know interest will bump you over and you'll wind up overpaying and or you know SSI will come after you for benefits but if you think about it with the cost of housing constantly going up I mean a house now in in Portland if you're lucky most of the time they're like three quarters of a million dollars and a hundred thousand might be a down payment but it's not going to cover a house in any way shape or form right and, you know, if you're on SSI or something else like that, there's the way in the world you can make a mortgage payment. Um, yeah, yeah. so um, it won't really help you out for those really big items that uh, people would really like to achieve in their lifetimes. Um, that's too bad. And then, of course, there's the whole issue around uh, GoFundMes. This really upset me more than anything else like that. I hear on the news all the time people doing GoFundMes because they had an accident and they needed help with medical costs or their house burned down and, you know, now they need help with housing. Uh, But being on SSI, you can't have a GoFundMe because if you do, they remove your benefits. So this is a really uh, huge problem with not being able to use GoFundMe and it can't be attached to like a special needs trust and it can't be attached to an ABLE account. Um, So like if you have any area in which you need a GoFundMe, forget it.
3: Yeah, like folks who have pets and they aren't able to afford a vet bill. There are some procedures through OHP, Oregon Health Plan, that are not covered. I don't know. There's all kinds of things that come up and someone on an income of $841 per month or less. How are they gonna are they gonna get these things taken care of?
2: Well, you can't get a GoFundMe to go get it.
3: Yeah. They make it really hard to to get out of poverty. Yeah, and I kind
2: of always think to myself that it was done that way on purpose to punish us for being people with who have disabilities. Mm. I've seen quite a few people um, cry over the fact that they had a disability and they had to live within a system that, that has every barrier that you can think of to getting out of poverty.
3: I want to remind you all that you're listening to KBOO and Disability Justice, an Everyday Pursuit in Survival. John Griffiths is your host and I am Dina Wilder. And today we are just chit-chatting, the two of us. Uh, We were first talking about the SSI Restoration Act of 2021. If you have further questions about this act, since Ron Wyden is the chair of the Finance Committee where it is sitting right now, and he is also one of the sponsors, you can call his office at 503-236-7525. We called his office today um, and we talked to a staff assistant and we'll probably be sending an email about some of our thoughts later today. So that's something you could do as well. Another thing we talked about maybe wanting to chat today was the ARPA grants. ARPA stands for American Rescue Plan Act. And it was uh, a federal act that was determined to help uh, give individual state's money to develop grants so that there could be a response to the COVID recovery needs. So these are temporary grants. These are not things that are going to be funded forever. This is just to kind of get a lift up after COVID. And so the Office of Developmental Disability Services, or ODDS, has uh, received $160 million, And I'm going to read right now what it says under the diversity, equity and inclusion portion of the grants, this $6 million of funding will be used to reach and engage, partner with, and provide support to those who have experienced barriers in accessing services and supports this grant aims to strengthen advocacy capacity for people who have experienced such barriers. So, we're crossing our fingers, these grants are going to come down the pike soon so that people can start applying for advocacy grants.
2: It does sound like that they will have to go through um, an umbrella, like you might have to apply from some place like UCP or ARC or Community Vision or something like that, um, because they can't just out the cash to us directly. Yeah, so um, and we hope to see them soon. But as many might be aware of Lilia Kennedy is stepping down from the directorship of IDD. And that might put might slow all that stuff down a little bit. So but cross your fingers. Let's hope we can see it sometime what this year or next year. I hope to see it sometime this year.
3: Yeah, I think I read something that the grants need to be used by 2024. Yes, Is that what we just read. Yeah. So they really need to get those grants out soon so they can be used. I want to thank you all for listening and um keep tuning into us. Go to um if you look up. KBOO Disability Justice. You'll come to our web- specific website that gives all of the listing of our interviews that John has done over the couple, uh, almost three years, two two and a half years that we've been doing it. And um, we hope you keep listening and tell your friends about Disability Justice. If you have an idea of something that you think we need to talk about, um, please let us know. Also.
2: We may be partnering up with um, Metro East Community Media and might get some of this out over cable access channels.
3: Yes, we'll keep you updated on that. It's uh, time.
2: Thank you once again for listening to us. Um, This is the host, John Griffiths.
3: And Dina Wilder. We'll see you next month, and we'll probably be interviewing uh, Bethany Sloan. Yeah. Yeah.
2: On the LEN
3: program? Yeah.
2: Yes. So tune in next month. Tune in this month and next month.
3: All right. There are many things to change regarding disability issues, including forced poverty. And Community Vision will be launching an organizer training for people with disabilities. Participants will develop strategies to address some of these issues, and the training will focus on housing. Participants will learn community organizing skills, develop strategies to improve housing for people with disabilities, take action together to meet the goals, and meet eight to 10 times for two hours at a time. There is money that is provided for your time in this Year-long organizer training. The first meeting will be November 17th. Please contact Alan Hines at A as in Apple Hines H I N E S at C as in Cat Vision b i s i o n dot O R G. I wanted to let you all know that Oregon City Library is working actively on. Getting materials for folks with intellectual disabilities that materials that are accessible. And so they've developed a program called Because Accessibility Matters, or BAM, uh, which is very close to John's Build a Movement, which is also affectionately called BAM. So within our community, there are two BAMs: Because Accessibility Matters with Oregon City Library and John Griffiths advocacy annual program uh, because, or Build a Movement, which it happens annually to get people engaged in advocacy work with legislators around disability issues. So I wanted to share with you about both of these. Uh, Build a Movement is getting active, they they will, folks will be getting together to begin to talk about what the issues are, and then they will develop strategies and testimonies to talk with legislators, and ultimately talk to legislators in Salem. BAM, or uh, Because Accessibility Matters with Oregon City Library, is going to be unveiling in December, a whole new section of books that are written more more accessibly for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So I invite you to uh, investigate both programs, Uh, go to Oregon City Library website to look into um, different programming they have for uh, folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They have an adult Lego lab that happens once a month and other programs. Uh, Starting in January in 2023, we will be hosting um, a program called BAM Academy, which is going to invite folks to be participants and lectures of an educational program that is developed by people with IDD. In order to get in contact with someone regarding Build a Movement, please contact Glenna Hayes with United Cerebral Palsy and Glenna can be reached at Glenna.hay's at UCPconnections.org.
2: That's the end of disability justice. Since we cannot be fully aware of everybody's difficulties within the community, we would really like it if you would send us your email. Disabilityjustice at kboo.org.
3: Also, we're always looking for fun, inexpensive things to do out in the community. Go to disabilityjustice at kboo.org to contact us and give us your ideas.
1: Portland, Oregon 90.7 FM on your Portland dial KBOO.FM on your everywhere on earth
3: internet dial stay safe, stay sane stay tuned Kbo.